Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 151. I am joined on this Sunday morning uh, by my co-host, Stacy. That's at StacyPan89. Stacy, what's going on? Doing pretty good. Good to hear. How's the West Coast? Uh, it's um, only about 10 degrees warmer than New York, I think, but uh, but it's nice. So, where, where are you, San Diego? No, I'm in uh, Irvine. Uh, just uh, cat sitting for my girlfriend's brother. So nice. Sounds like a good, exciting time. Yeah, I mean, any excuse to get uh, to the West Coast and to sell beer, I'll take. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, before we get started today, uh, I do want to let people know that the Strickland does have a Patreon. Uh, there are multiple tiers you can subscribe to. Uh, the six dollar tier gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday, as well as the mailbag every other week with me, Jeremy, and Drew. Uh, in addition, you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk Knicks all day, every day. That's the thing that you like to do, which I presume you do, if you are listening to this podcast. Uh, in addition to that, uh, if you subscribe to the $9 tier, you get access to weekly articles from Matthew Miranda and Jack Huntley. Jack, hope you're feeling better uh, as he recovers from COVID. Uh, and you also get access to my solo podcast, Trick and Roll, where I yell about the Knicks even more than I already do. Uh, so there's that. Also, there are further tiers, $15, $30, $50, $100 tiers that get you access to live watch parties, uh, pod recordings. You can even co-host a pod, potentially. Uh, so if you want to subscribe and give us support, that would be much appreciated. If not, just listening and consuming all of the free content we provide is the reason we have this platform. So, either way, thank you. You didn't, you didn't tell them about the top tier. Yeah, so the new tier, um, we actually will guarantee you a tryout for the Knicks as they look for replacement players during yes. the COVID pandemic. So, That's fulfill your dreams. <laughs> All right, and that is that. So, I guess with that, we'll start the show. Um, the Knicks lost the Celtics yesterday, 114-107. Uh, I don't really know what to say about this game because I thought it was pretty much the most worthless game possible, like in terms of learning anything about the team. I know that, look, it's great that Kemba Walker had a nice game and Forney had a nice game. Um, I'm not sure what to make of all that. Um, Kemba was good offensively. Uh, he scored a lot. Still, to me, doesn't look like a guy that understands how to get other guys involved, leverages scoring to to make the game easier for others and create easy scoring chances for them. Um, so that just is what it is. I also thought, as good as he was offensively, um, I mean, Peyton Pritchard just gave him buckets in the second quarter for a long stretch. Uh, it was a nice cameo for him, and I'm happy that he played well. But I just I, I have a very tough time caring uh, as far as the decision to bench him. I don't think... I, I didn't see anything yesterday 
that led me to believe that it was the wrong yeah, I mean, decision. He hit, his, he hit his threes, right? Like that's, um, that's to me like okay, we knew that he could hit threes, but um, you know, there's still the defensive issues and there's still the fact that he's not transforming the offense usually when he's out there, right? Um, but it's nice when he hits his threes. I mean, you know, he can do that. Yeah, it's it's like he did the things that. I still feel he can do at an okay level. And he got to the line. That was, that was, yeah. uh, see, but yeah. I, I just, it's like he had a month off. Uh, I basically had a month off or however long it was, two, three weeks. I don't know how, however fucking long it was. It was basically, a, it's like three or four weeks, I think, because he played last, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving. So, um, however long it is, it's about three or four weeks. Um, and yeah, he looked really good. He looked like he had some juice. But I mean, I just don't have faith that if you put him out there every night and have him start, he does this. And that is based on just watching him prior to his benching. Um, the, the energy was inconsistent. And we also saw as the season went on, like he started off great shooting and then he steadily declined. Now that's that could just be like, like again, shooters have streaks. So it could just be he was on a cold streak. But it wasn't just the the shooting percentages, right? It was also um, about his overall energy level and ability to uh, defend and do things aside from scoring as a starting point guard to get the team going. And I just am very doubtful that anything would change if he became the starting point guard again or inserted into the rotation or whatever. And like, you know, here's the other thing is, at his position, at that lead guard, whatever you want to call it, position, I would just much rather lean into playing a few of these young guys that we have and Rose. Like, I just, I don't care. Like, I just really do not care if Kemba plays or not. I, and I prefer if he doesn't, if I'm being quite honest. And I feel pretty much the same about, about Fournier as well. But, like, in Fournier's case, I think he could be an asset off the bench. Um, and maybe Kemba could be an asset off the bench too, but we just have guys at that position. I would much rather see get minutes um, over him. Like I, when quickly he's back, when Deuce is back, I would like to see both those guys get minutes over him. Um, and I know Rose hasn't, he's been a little up and down, especially lately too. But like, I think he, to me, he has a lot more credit in the bank and he's been a lot more of a positive influence this season at various points. And since arriving in New York, so, like, all three of those guys for me would be ahead of Kemba. And in Fournier's case, just because of the lack of depth we have in the wing, it's like even a full health, what you got him, Burks, RJ, and Grimes, and that's basically it. So, like, I would still like to see uh, Fournier come off the bench. Uh, like, again, like, just because he had a great game yesterday, it didn't really fundamentally change my thoughts. If anything, it strengthened them about him. Because what happened yesterday is, with the Knicks being shorthanded, he had to get a bunch of usage. And I thought you saw, like, when he knows he's going to get a lot of touches, he was he looked a lot more engaged defensively. Um, I thought his scoring was a lot better just because he didn't if he he like he he missed his first few shots if I remember, and they were pretty ugly misses. But there was nothing to like like he didn't have to worry about oh well should I should I pass it now or is somebody else going to come in and get get these touches like he just could play and I thought you saw. Uh, how that benefited him. And like, I think off the bench, uh, which we've talked about, that would be uh, a better role for him because, you know, if you start, let's say, you know, uh, quickly uh, at the point 
and Fournier comes in for him off the bench, you know, it would be like Rose and Fournier would be the only two guys that are really effective shot creators. I know Obi is scoring well. I would say that it's more play finishing than shot creating, which is fine. It's awesome. Like, don't I'm not trying to diminish that at and all. And there's versatility. He's not just finishing lobs. You know, he can yeah. drive from the three-point line, but it's usually like he's not Jason Tataming guys. He's uh, It's awesome motion and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and it's it's not to diminish it. It just is like that. That that is a reason why I think Fournier would benefit from that. Um, but yeah, like I just for me, like that those two guys, it didn't change my thoughts about them that I had coming into this into that game. Like I, I just don't care. I'm sorry. Like if you want to make a big deal about like oh Kembo was scapegoated, and I just don't care. Like if you if you really think Kembo was scapegoated, I mean, fine, go for it. I, I just think that Tibbs. Didn't like what he saw from him. I mean, he gave him, what, 20 games, I think? So it's not like he just fucking didn't give it a chance and pulled the plug at, at the first sign. Like, he gave it a quarter of the fucking season. Um, so, you know, I just, I fundamentally do not give a single fuck about it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think with Kemba, like, when he's had good games this year, again, I will come back to this, he, it's because he shot well from three. From two yesterday, he was three for nine. Now, he did get to the line ten times. Um, but his assists really weren't that high, and you know we see that he's not a great defender. Um, he did have a team high plus five, <laughs> but um, and I mean, and he was like the effort has never really been an issue to me on defense. But it is what it is. He's not giving you much on that end. Um, you know, there's people who are like Kemba needs to play and all of that. You need to tell me he's taking minutes from at that point, um, because like you said, first of all, with Derek Rose, I think you understated it. I think, um, like. Advanced stats, a lot of them say he's the next best player. Um, I think given you know that you can't run him out as much as you'd like, 36 minutes or whatever, that maybe that's not the case. Um, and it probably still is Randall, even though he struggled. But Rose is at worst the next second best player. Um, he is the only person who can get to the rim pretty much at will. Um, he is still probably one of the better passers on the team. Um, certainly from the guard position, I would still say he's a better passer than quickly and McBride had some nice passes but in terms of off the dribble getting to the rim and that improv stuff um that's what Rose can do um so with Kemba like are you taking minutes from McBride are you taking minutes from quickly I think there is a segment of Twitter um where the state of mind if you will is bench Alec Burks um and I, I don't see that uh either um, you're taking away now size and defense at a position that has sorely lacked it um, for a guy who brings pretty much the same skill set. If you want to argue that Kemba's a little more dynamic as a shot creator than Burks, there is an argument there. Um, he's a better point guard, but to your point, we have other guys who can fill that role. Um, so I'd need to see more Kemba from Kemba. With 40, actually was pretty encouraged, and there is a question I would throw back to you, but um, the difference there is he was four for 10 from three, which is good. It's not some outlier performance, um, but he was nine for 14 from two. To your point, he was able to slash. Uh, and that's the thing, right? Like uh, Tom Piccolo, before before we got on, he posted the stat that Forney uh, is actually shooting um, better off passes from Randall than Bullock was. Uh, he's hit his threes for the most part. He hasn't been outlier good there. That's the thing. Um, like he's, but he's been upper thirties for the most part. Uh, the problem is we didn't hire, but that, so that would be kind of a Reggie Bullock replacement. The problem is we didn't, A, we didn't pay him to be Reggie Bullock. Uh, we paid him to, to be able to create off the dribble, to do the things that he really has the difference in. 
which is getting to the rim, which is assists. So his assists are way down, um, whereas turnovers have not gone down. And um, he's also just getting to the rim less than he has in a long time. So that's what's driving his efficiency down. But um, I think what you, I don't know if it's something in Boston, but we also saw the way the Knicks played was, um, you know, less Randall or bust on offense. And well, I think Randall has played very differently. Like the way Randall, like, I, I, I want to do a whole Randall thing after this, but I will say the last two games, forgetting, yes, he needs to shoot better. I, I don't, this is not to excuse his poor shooting or whatever, but the way he's played as like a DHO hub the last two games, um, rather than post heavy, ISO heavy, um, the, that kind of stuff that we have seen at various points this season, way too much of, um, I think that's benefited him a lot. And I think it's benefited the guards a ton. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like, yeah, Fournier was great yesterday, probably his best game of the season, maybe. Even I, I think you could argue it was even better than that debut game against Boston. Um, but like he also scored 23 against Houston. And like you could see in the minutes that Randall did get with the bench guys with Quickly and with Deuce, um he was he was happy to do the same thing. So I don't know if that's a schematic change. Or if that's something that um, he's just kind of started to lean into that they've been harping with him or something. But the last two games, I would I was encouraged by that. And I would be very happy if he continues to do that. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, so th- that's what I was going to ask, really, is like, uh, so I think there's two schools of thought, right? That no matter what, the offense is going to be Randall-centric. Um, and you're better off. This is something I've advocated, you know, for saying for quickly should start, and you should go quickly. Burks, RJ, because um, my the argument would be, look, no matter what, this is going to be a Randall heavy offense, and adding up someone like Rose gives you still obviously Rose is a really good player, but it's going to give you diminishing returns because they tend to play slower, they tend to go to that, um, you know, mid range post up to Randall a lot, and you're better off just putting out guys who can hit open shots and defend. The other school of thought, and that's, by the way, I think that's the school of thought a lot of people had this summer, and kind of the the slight deviation off of that is, well, uh, you know, you really want a guy who can bring the ball up, get them into sets, which Alec Burks isn't great at, and hit open threes, right? So that's the, that's the Lonzo Ball case. Um, the other school of thought is that the idealized version of that offense is what we've seen in both Boston games, is where they are, um, you know, there's a lot more motion. You're more DHOs with Randall closer to the top of the key than kind of his ISO baseline. And and you just play up tempo. Uh, what worries me about that is that is that sustainable? For whatever reason, they haven't done it on a consistent basis. You know, Seth Partnow is saying things like that could be a Tibbs thing where he doesn't trust that process the way you would like him to. Um, but, um, you know, um, yeah, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Like, is that something? Should they be working towards that kind of offense, where it's, and is that even something that um, is possible? Um, I mean, I guess you mean, do you want the offense to still run through Julius just in a different way? Is that more or less what you're asking? It's not about want, right? Is that something that, um, given given who he is as a player, given how things play out on a consistent basis? is can we actually, is that even worth trying to attempt? Or is it, for the most part, the starting lineup, no matter who's out there, even if it's Rose, 
is going to kind of, um, I don't want to use the word devolve because it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but it, it, that's kind of the equilibrium. Um, yeah, I mean, I have thought for a while that they need to, I, I, I think that like, the the notion of what they were trying to achieve with their offseason signings of like alleviating the load on Julius was the correct that was like the right it was the right idea 100% it was the right idea and i think maybe even to some degree they have signed guys that can do that i would i do think that like part of the issue is the way they've been going about it i don't think it's been like you saw early in the season um Kemba and Julius would run two man games sometimes and that would look good and Fournier and Julius would run two man games sometimes and that would look okay but like there was no clear identity or idea of what they were trying to do as a collective team like it just felt very disjointed um and the last couple of games I feel like Randall has done a much better job of like hey look like this like and I again I don't know if this is just Julius maybe getting a little bit more comfortable or whatever the fuck it is, but I feel like he's done a better job of this offense is still going to run around me, but we are going to do it in a way that is less about you know giving me the ball and clearing out the side of the floor and I go to work. Obviously, there's still going to be there's still going to be you know you're going to have to do that to some degree, um, and that's where like he's got to. He's got to figure out his shot making, like not just the, sh- the threes, but yeah, I mean, he has to hit these wide open threes that he's getting. But also, like, I, I think he's his post game. He's still seems like he's in his head a little bit and not just going to his spots uh, and shooting it with confidence. But like, obviously, going to do that. But I just think that like what we've seen the last couple of games is okay. Like, bring the ball up, give the ball to Julius over at the top of the wing. But then he's comfortable running DHOs, and then off the DHOs, he's not just like popping and shooting a three or isolating. But we've also seen him catch it on the roll and get into the paint and then spray it back out to shooters. Uh, he had a really, really good pass in the fourth quarter yesterday to Burks in the corner um, where he caught the ball in the corner. He he passed up a three after a, after a kick out in the corner, pump faked it, got Robert Williams in the air, put the ball on the floor, got into the paint. And then it looked like he was going to pass it to Kemba at the top of the wing, but then he was able to hit Burks in the corner for a, a, a wide open three. It was a really great play, but like things like that um, are really positive. And then I think in the Houston game, you saw uh, when he came back in, him and quickly were running DHOs uh, off of after the initial action where, you know, Britt McBride would, would run a pick and roll and then swing it back to Julius at the top of the key. And then he'd cycle into a DHO quickly. I think stuff like that is where really where we need to be going with this offense. Um, and the, the thing with that is it's not just Fournier, right? It's like we have a lot of guys that can benefit from that type of action. So like Rose quickly, I think even RJ, um, Deuce, Burks, like all these guys have skill sets. We're running DHOs with Randall can can benefit them and him and i think like it may maybe took him some time because like let's be real it's not fun to set a screen like every other possession you know like that takes a lot out of you physically um and i don't think that's a i don't think that's necessarily been an easy thing for him especially after last year where like 
we used him way more as just like a a wing, right? Like the way he scored, it was all like very wing type scoring. Um, and now it feels like we're asking, I think not asking him, but with this roster and, you know, he's not shooting supernova anymore. Right. So like with these realities, I think what we need from him to maximize the talent we have is a little bit different. Uh, and I'm look, that's not to say that like, if we do this now, we're going to go back and we're going to win 50 games now. I have no idea. But as far as process and like getting the most out of this team offensively. Yeah. Like I think the way he played the last few games, even the, even the golden state game, which he didn't, he wasn't amazing or anything, but like the team collectively shot like shit, which I don't think was just Randall. Right. Um, I, I just think these last two or three games, he's been better about, about getting guys involved. Like it's not just the assist numbers to me. It's just how they're playing. It feels a lot more, um, flowy, I guess is flowing. It, it, it feels a lot more flowing. I mean, yes, there's still ugly stretches, but like, they've been less frequent. And I think when he is willing to play that dribble handoff role, if one of those guys gets like we saw yesterday with Kemba and Fournier, when either would, if guys get hot playing off him, it just opens up a lot. And then all of a sudden now, you know, it opens up things for Julius when he rolls or he's able to swing it to another shooter. It just, I think like this is probably uh, the best way for us going forward. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, Kind of, yeah, and I think beyond beyond those two guys, that yeah, I would agree. There's not a whole lot you can take away. I saw a lot of consternation in the first half, and people kept posting, "Oh, look, forty-seven to three, the bench." I was like, "Well, they're playing with eight. Like, I wasn't going to take much away from that game, no matter what, um, because of the COVID situation." Um, you know, shifting gears a little bit to that Houston game, uh, I don't think we've discussed Deuce too much, but now you have a bit of a log jam, right, at the guard positions. And if you want to throw Kemba in there, you can. Um, he certainly showed that, you know, at least for stretches, uh, you know, there is still a lot of skill there where he can get on the floor. Um, but, you know, now you have, um, you know, you really have 11 guys. Uh, you know, if you think you're, they're going to play the two of the bigs, uh, then you have Obi and Randall. And then at the, at the wing position, you have Fournier, Grimes, RJ, um, Burks, right? So that's, um, and then you also have McBride quickly and Rose at the point guard position. And, you know, quickly and McBride both can play that two position. Uh, I mean, Rose is big enough, but that's just not the position he plays when he's on the floor. Uh, that's 11 guys. If you throw in Kemba, that's 12. Um, you know, for those who thought Knox showed enough, I personally didn't. Um, there's a reason why he still had the worst plus minus on the team, even when he was shooting the ball well. Um, but you know, how does that kind of get resolved? And, you know, is, is the kind of verdict on that, that basically the Knicks have to decide whether they want to try to compete and go for it all this year or be willing to like take a slight drop off from playing the young guys more. But are, are we sure that Tibbs wants to play the vets? Like, I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but like the more I hear him talk and then you saw, I don't know if you saw some of the Kemba quotes today or last night after the game, which I look, I, I, I don't actually care that he said what he said. Like he has every right to be pissed. He's um, a competitor. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Like I, I don't care. And I think that people are, is he happy about it? No. Does t is, are him and Tibbs best buddies? Obviously not. You know, like this is, it's not rocket science. Um, I, I, I don't 
think it's that dramatic of a situation. I think it's one where clearly Tibbs feels a certain way. Kemba obviously is going to believe that that's bullshit. And it's on the front office to simply find a way to move Kemba or address that situation in another way. I'm not sure what it is, but um, I don't think it's that dramatic. But I just feel like when he when he when he's been asked about Grimes or McBride or quickly or Obi, like forget how he treats them with minutes because I think we know that like he feels he has to be harder on these guys than he is with vets. That can be I I don't agree with that all the time, especially like I, I don't agree with with the discrepancy. But like more or less, I think we can agree that's how he feels. You have to develop young guys, um, but like. When he's asked about them, he always talks about them in like very glowing, praise-heavy ways, right? And it's not like just token platitudes. It's always like he always describes like oh, how hard they're working. I think the- if they're getting 10, 12 minutes even, right? If a guy like Quickly is getting 20 minutes in his second year, to Tibbs, that's a great development, right? If you're coming from, you know, I don't want to say use, like old school is an overused term, but if you're that kind of a coach where you're like rookies don't play, um, and you see McBride and Grimes ready when they're called and ability to give you that depth to him, that, that means they're way outperforming the expectations. It's, he doesn't view it the way we would, where it's like, why aren't they getting minutes? Right. Right. And, and here's something, I mean, with regard to quickly over the last 18 games, he's played 26 minutes on average. So like, like, and, and I mean, we saw this before OB got ruled and out. Some of that is protocol. COVID and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw this, though, with Obi before. Um, he got ruled out, uh, obviously, when he was put in the, in the COVID protocol. But, like, I think Tibbs is getting to that realization of, like, okay, the things that I want to happen are not happening, so I need to maybe adjust and get... Like, we saw him in that Toronto game play Obi and Randall a bunch. He played Obi and Randall a bunch against Toronto. I think he played Obi and Randall a bunch against... Uh, Indiana and San Antonio also like he closed. I mean, it was garbage time, but against Denver, he played them a bunch. Also, he tried them against Chicago the game before that. He, I think he even tried them in the Brooklyn game before that. So like he is, I think he's slowly getting to the place of like, okay, OB's playing well. I need to play him more. And I think think he also is trying to send a message to some of the starters whose effort is not sustained. Uh, he's not just playing any young players, right? He's playing the right. young players who play every minute like their last. Um, Obi is certainly at the top of that list. Um, you know, riding Grimes like that, he fits that mold. So, uh, so I meant McBride at the end, but Grimes did that too. Well, Gar- uh, Grimes played 40 minutes uh, against yeah. who was it, Gold- or Milwaukee. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. And, know, and of course, quickly, uh, quickly, his mistakes are usually mental. Um, there, he's not, uh, effort has never really been a question with him, right? So, and, and we know that Tibbs loves his work ethic. Yeah. So, like, I just, I think it's, it's kind of weird to say, but in some ways, if you're the front office, I think you really have to look at this team. And, and like, look, they went into the season, I think, with the right, it was, it was definitely the right move to make to bring in ostensibly a two guard that you thought was an upgrade on Bullock and take a shot on Kemba, who um, I I still don't care if Elf was a better player. Like it was the right move to go for a Kemba and roll the dice. Um, It hasn't worked out that way. And that's okay. 
like I just think that you need to pivot then and and adjust to a new reality. And like I don't think they can trade Fournier right now because he just hasn't played very well and he's got two years after this one on his contract. But like I think you have to really think about like, okay, are these guys that we've signed and are here, the vets and all these dudes, are they beneficial to us? Like, are they going to be part of a team that's competitive here? Or do we need to clear out some minutes to your point for these young guys and take the, like, so that there is no decision for Tibbs to make that. It's just, you have to play Grimes. You have to play Deuce. You have like, if you take that decision away, I think maybe lean into that. Um, And I'm not saying like, trade all of the vets you know like i I don't want to do that but like burks is a guy i really like burks i love that i'm happy they brought him back i think he's a really good player he can't he he's not a guy right now who is giving you much inside the arc in terms of his finishing some of that is spacing issues blah blah blah. but i also think you can see that he doesn't have anywhere near the lift that he did earlier in his career uh and he has to do a lot of finesse finishes uh when he gets inside so He's a guy, like, he's a good player still. He's a versatile player. He's a wing, 6'7 wing. Like, that's a guy that I'm sure there are contenders or playoff teams that would be very interested in him. You know, he's basically making mid-level money uh, for the next two years. You have an option, or sorry, for another year after this one. And then you have an option for another year after that, if you want it. Um, Like, that, that feels like a guy that would have pretty good trade value. Um, I wouldn't just give him away, but I do think that it might be worth considering like, Hey, should we trade this guy and open up minutes for Grimes? Um, I would also consider like, you know, obviously I would trade Noel hundred percent, but like, I don't know what the hell the market is for him. Um, like those are the two vets in particular, I would be. And for Nary, I don't think has the value that Burks would get you because the contract. Sorry, say that again. And Fournier doesn't have the value yeah. that Burks has because of the contract. Yeah, yeah. Like next year, I've said I've, I've thought this for a while. Next year at the trade deadline, or whatever, like Fournier's value will be higher because he has less years on his contract. So like a team can look at him in a year's time and be like, well, he's basically just an expiring next year. Like maybe we we can trade for him and maybe yeah. and like and maybe like if they have a good player that the Knicks want, the Knicks throw in a first or something and all of a sudden it's a totally different thing. But um, right now, like to me, that's the easiest path to not tanking the season, but also finding ways to get your young guys on the floor more, right? Because if you take away Burks and you take away Noel, naturally Tibbs is just going to have to play Grimes and Obi more minutes. He's just going to like, it just has to happen. And um, you know, if I was in the front office, that's what I would want to do because I would, I, I would, I mean, what we've obviously Obi has been awesome this year. So I don't think that's like a controversial statement to say like, we should, we want to see more Obi. Grimes hasn't played a lot, but like when he has played, I've liked what I've seen of him. Uh, I think he has good energy. Uh, he picks up on defense. Uh, I think some of his defensive um, errors, mis misjudgments, I guess. Yeah, he maybe, some technique work to do. I mean, yeah. Benji's pointed this out. Even McBride does, right? Um, both of them are, I mean, let's be clear. We like the effort. They are probably upgrades on guys like Kemba or even Fournier. Um, but they are not plus defenders yet at the NBA level. I think rookie Frank is probably the best 
comp, right? Frank is a rookie. You would see all of the great plays, but because he couldn't avoid fouls and because there were still a good amount of mental errors, he wasn't um, he wasn't a plus defender at that point, which is fine. And um, I guess the question would be: there's two que- there's two parts that would be a block. Oh, and just just real quick, the other thing about trading Burks is it would force Tibbs to give more primary reps to IQ and McBride, which I think is a very good thing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, but that's that's part of it as well. It's like, you see, watch the way they played against Boston. You see how they played against Chicago, those kinds of things. You've seen how when Fournier has a good game or when Burks is playing really well, uh, there's two questions, right? One, is there a ceiling that's different? Like, if we if we play the young guys more, are we basically punting on on playing or or certainly the playoffs but are we punting on playing and would playing the vets give you a chance at some of those outcomes or shift that distribution palpably enough where it would matter uh especially given how it's stronger the east is and then the other thing is trading a guy like burks part of the reason they signed these contracts is because it opens up a star trade um and you know if you trade burks for i don't think this is who they would make the trade for but a guy like larry nance or burks and Noel and like a pick for uh, I don't I don't think Miles Turner will I don't think that'll get you Miles Turner but someone who is not a star but a value add um, does this front office look at that and say no we want to save our mother load for you know um, I mean it's tough to think of those guys at this point but you know how do you see that kind of interplay as well so it's the two things right it's just playing the vets raise your ceiling enough where the front office would still say, like, give it time and, it, you know, we can be a playoff team this year and that's worth it. And also, if they don't believe that, would they still hold on to those guys because they don't want to um, give up assets for a deal that um, doesn't met a star? Yeah, I mean, um, I guess the way I look at it is, like, is the star that you need on this roster right now? Probably not. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. That's certainly the number one and number two pieces. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think maybe the number two could be here. Like, I still kind of, like, I really think Julius with a more dynamic guard could be a number two. Um, but whatever. I mean, he, has Even, a pretty but, good, he has a pretty dynamic one in Derrick Rose. And what worries me is that I don't know that what you're saying in terms of the last two games I just don't know how sustainable that is for Julius. That's the worry there. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. That's certainly fair. Um, I, I mean, Rose is dynamic, but like he's not a top, like he's not an elite guard at this point in his career. But um, wouldn't you say that's mostly just because he can't play extended minutes? Like in the minutes he plays, but that's he's part of that, that's like one, right? But like that's that's a big thing. Like if he can't play the minutes, then I mean, because yeah, in his minutes with Randall, he's they've been pretty good. Like I, I don't know what the splits are again this year, but we've seen over their time together that when those two play together, they are really good. Um, so like, I just think that if you have, and, and also like, look as good as Derek is, you know, the best guards in this league now, um, I, I think you need to be able to effectively have a quick trigger coming off a screen uh, from three. Like yeah, he's, and- he's gotten better over that, but he's not like, he's never going to be an elite guy with it, obviously, which is yeah, and, fine. And- like, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, so this year the splits are actually not that great with Derrick Rose and Julius Randle. Um, so this year they're actually a negative 0.5 rating, um, mm. which is actually quite the accomplishment playing next to Derrick Rose because 
pretty much everyone else on the team has a positive net rating with him. Um, and then I'm just pulling up last year's as well. But that's what's been concerning to me. It's like, you know, and that's part of the reason I don't want to start Rose because, like, I'm, I don't know if you're diminishing Rose's effect um, by, you know, playing him with Randall. Last year, they had an 8.48 rating together, but Rose without Randall, and again, a lot of that's bench units, was almost twice as big. Um, so that's what, like, is a dynamic guard the answer? Because And that comes back to our original question. Like, are you better off playing Julius with a Lonzo-type point guard who can defend and get him the ball and you don't worry about the dynamism? Like, does that even add as much to Randall's game? And Or is it, you know, if you add that kind of a guard, you get you know, less than a sum of parts type of thing. Like, I, I think there's evidence for that. Yeah, maybe. I just don't think we've seen enough of it. Like, and and the offense collectively this year has been very disjointed. I don't think that's just Julius. I think that's a collective thing. Like, because, like, we've also, because to me, like, if the entire bench is playing great, and then you take some of these bench guys, like, the bigger, there's two really big issues for me when I look at the Knicks offensively. Like, Yes, Julius, his shot making has not been as good this year. Um, as a counter to that, what I would say is he's trying to get to the rim more, but he's always, and that, it's, this is not just exclusive to Julius. This is a problem for really everybody on our team. Our centers, have they're not getting any respect from other teams. Absolutely not. Uh, and they don't deserve respect, to be quite honest, with how they've played. Uh, they have... Like yesterday, between our centers, they had a grand total of five points, if I remember correctly. Five points. Like, and this is not like a one one game thing. This is all year. And if you watch how teams cover him, cover them, they literally like. And Noel and Mitch, like, they don't make it easier either because half the time they just end up underneath the hoop and stand there. And it's like, okay, well now your guy is the 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 fucking op- op- opponent's rim protector now can just stand in the lane and block off any drives. So, like, we're getting absolutely nothing from that position, and it's not just getting nothing from the position, but they're active offensive detriments at this point um, on most nights. So that makes it a lot harder for not just Randall, but I think collectively, and this is an issue for the starters because they don't have the type of pull-up shooting and perimeter creation, I don't think, uh, that the bench does, weirdly. Uh, Not weirdly, I mean, this is a reason why we've all been like, start rows or quickly start like you know what i mean like there's a reason why um so uh, that's a really big issue and then i also just think that the lack of then you just look at the weak side actions like when the ball goes they, they run something on the strong side nothing is happening on the weak side there'll be three guys just standing around watching it there's not somebody setting a screen for a shooter to come off the ball um it's just way too stagnant and yeah, we can sit there and say, like, well, Julius did it last year, so, you know, like, okay, yeah, he did it last year, but that not that why we signed Fournier and Kemba? Like, was because we were like, okay, maybe he's not going to, like, maybe he's not going to shoot 41 fucking percent from three again this year, and maybe he's not going to shoot, like, you know, Kawhi Leonard from mid-range again this year, and lo and behold, those things have are, have become true, which we kind of thought would be the case, but we're not getting any of the benefit because I think of how one we're deploying a lot of this talent. And then two, just the fact that like, it feels like we're playing four on five on offense all the time. And how much of guys being stagnant on the other side is because there's not a whole lot of confidence in Randall to make that read. 
I don't think that's the issue because it happens with anybody. Like it, it's not just when like the only time there's really action on the weak side is when the bench is in, and that's more a function of just like Obi moves all the time. You know, like Obi's always Obi Obi's always moving. Um, quickly is a pretty dynamic off ball player, even though he has moments where he's stagnant. But he's pretty good at hunting space. You have guys that are better at doing these things naturally. But when you look at the starting lineup, Fournier is a good floor spacer, obviously, but he's not like some dynamic off-ball player, right? RJ is pretty good at finding space in the perimeter, but again, not the most dynamic off-ball player. Kemba, not an off-ball threat at all. Burks is more of a one-on-one guy. Um, Right. But I mean, but it's also, they do play through the guards more too, right? So it gives Obi the opportunity to to roll more, right? Um, And I don't know that you ever play through the guards with Randall. Um, See, like, I, I, but I feel like we, why do we not play through the guards with Randall though? Like, is that because Julius is domineering the offense on his own and he's like calling the shots or is it, it could be that you're not, you just don't get the most out of, like, that's the way to get the most out of Julius. And if you use him like Draymond Green or like something like that, it just, then you're, you're like, okay, but he's not, um, it's just not the same effect. Um, it's to me, it's more about the guards that he's been playing with. Like, you put a lineup of Burks, Fournier, and um, RJ around him. I mean, these are guys that can run DHOs and stuff like that, but like, you're not going to empower, like, it's hard to justify, like, oh, yeah, we need to run the offense through these three guys when you're on the floor with Julius, and like, and not just that, like, and it. You can run the offense through them, but none of them are like dynamic dribble drive players, right? Uh, RJ is good at driving, but he's not like he's he doesn't make a defense scramble because he's not like he doesn't do it at some great speed. Um, and I don't think any of them have the perimeter gravity of a guy like quickly, right? Who, if you duck under, you know that he has range out to like the logo, literally, literally. So, like. I would. I. I just think that, like, again, we're in a position where, yeah, you might be right. You might hundred percent be right. I can't. Uh, I can't disprove that. Right. I'm, I'm not sure. Been. I'm married to that opinion either. But I think that is something that's been raised a lot. It's. It's. Can you fit? And any I think it's. I think it's. Them? And I think because of what we've seen, that's totally fair. But my my thing is like, why do we not? try the other like why why can we not get more minutes of randall with these other guards and like that's where i lose like it, i kind of i kind of have some sympathy for some of his struggles because like you can see like i don't i don't watch him and i'm not like like there was earlier in the season i thought he would definitely had effort issues and um i thought he was definitely indulging in uh glory hunting glory hunting shot making like like trying to be kobe type shot making if if you get me um lately i don't think that's the case and i don't say lately is like the last four or five games i mean like for the last few weeks i've thought whatever his issues it's it's he's hunting for a better balance and he struggles with that and he has struggled with that but i also think some of his struggles have to do with like who he's playing with and then also just the general kind of like play style of the the guys he's playing with the most uh and you know 
again, like even in the Houston game, he barely played with quickly and deuce, right? Like he mostly played with the, the starting guards, which were Fournier and Burks. I mean, he played with deuce a lot in the second half because obviously we just had to start um, deuce because Rose was out, but Rose clearly didn't have it that game. I mean, he left with a, sprained ankle or something like that sore ankle they he, it. i mean he had i think he took two shots or something like he yeah he, i mean he just there. i think he was just trying to gut it out for them but like you know again so you effectively recreated a dynamic of like no real triple drive thread and now we're gonna go to julius a bunch and like i just i i want to see him get more minutes with the guys who have been consistently better this year and who play a more flowing style naturally uh you know, like I, I hate it does feel like I'm making an excuse for Julius. Um, and I don't want to because I do think like like I have no problem with people criticizing his performance this year. You know, like he he's definitely not been anywhere close. He's not been anywhere near uh, the impact he was at last year. I mean, the numbers still look pretty good on the surface anyway. But like, you know, I think anybody who's watched the Knicks this year the can say like he's down. So yeah, yeah. efficiency is down. But like also just the way he's playing has not been consistently very good. Um, that said, like, you know, are there ways that we can bump up his performance? Is there a better way to optimize him and therefore the team? Like, I do think so. And I, and at the very least, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but like, we need to try more. Uh, and I just think there's been a lot of like, it's, it's felt like a lot of stubbornness with Tibbs of like, well, we need to make Randall and Fournier work, but also like, I'm not, like, if you want to make Randall and Fournier work, I'm sorry, but Burks cannot be the point guard of that group. You know, like, it, that, it just can't, it, that's not going to work. Yeah. And I don't think it can be Kemba, especially not this version of Kemba, um, who, yeah, granted, he's, he scored great yesterday, but, like, I don't know if he did anything. Like, I mean, he had, what, three assists, which is fine, I guess, but, like, ideally you want to. not really scrambling more. the defense, right? So, yeah. And, and here's the other thing with him is, like, I, I don't think like assists are the end all be all of showing you're creating for others necessarily or like whatever, but like starting point guard of a team, he didn't register more than five assists at all once this season. So like, I think quickly he's had more assists in a game. Deuce definitely did in his, not even a start, uh, his second half start <laughs> at point, he had more assists. Rose has definitely had more assists in a game. So, like, Burks has probably had more than five. Yeah, Burks so. probably has too. And so, like, that's a pretty big problem to me. Uh, so, I don't think he's the right guard for to make those two guys work, uh, which is kind of relevant because I think Boston fans probably had that same criticism of him, right? So, uh, I think that's probably a point in their favor and in uh, a, a column against Kemba as a potential starter. Like I would just, I would like to see him with guys who are bringing a different skill set to the table, be it quickly, be it Rose with more minutes. Uh, I don't think it should be Rose just because I don't think he can one. I don't think he definitely can't sustain the minutes on his body. And two, uh, I think it needs to be somebody who, who has the physical wherewithal to be more disruptive on defense consistently. Uh, that's a big part of what they need also. Not like we've been talking a lot about the offense, but you can argue the defense has been a way bigger issue. And well, that, so that's, for that, that's, that's why, but I think that that whole comes down to the quickly versus Rose. Look, I, we both like quickly a lot, but my thing is if he plays in the starting lineup with Julius, um, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be Julius centric and IQ is mostly going to be a floor spacer in that lineup. 
Um, if you see it differently, you know, definitely share that. But what he gives you is that point of attack defense. It, it would probably be the same, to be frank, with McBride. Uh, you know, he was pushed into a larger role and you saw him be aggressive. But again, so the only guy who really changes the dynamism um, at the point guard position at the moment, not to say that either of those guys can't be that and aren't like that on the bench, but the only guy I think who would play more like that with the starters is Rose. Uh, and that, but he's he doesn't give you that defense, right? So, like, do you like which way do you go there, or do you think that quickly would be more dynamic than I'm, I'm saying he would be? I, I think quickly needs more reps. That's what I think. I think quickly needs more reps, and I think with more reps, you'll get more consistency, and you might even get a guy who starts getting you six, seven assists in a game and gets you 15. Well, I mean, will he get to the rim more, right? Because if he can't penetrate all the way to the rim. What happens on those possessions is you run a pick and roll with him. He picks up his dribble or he has to dribble out on a switch, but he can't attack it. So then either, you know, it's a late shot clock shot from him or he throws it out to Randall. Either way, you're still with a stagnant offense, right? right. Those are the worst case possessions for quickly. Um, so are you saying that he's going to eliminate those? Or are you going to say those are going to be more limited? I'm, I'm saying that I don't know a single primary ball handler in the NBA right now. I don't know a single one in the NBA right now, a high-end one in the NBA right now, who who developed into that without having the latitude and the reps to fail and learn from them. And without that, I I can't judge it. Like I I, I think quickly deserves the opportunity. Like this but like, would he get that opportunity playing with Randall? Because he gets that on the bench, and he has improved, right? But I don't think he does really get it on the bench either. Like, we're not using him as a primary. Like, he's still pretty much an off guard like most uses, of the time. He uses quite a He uses fewer reps than he did last year. Um, but I think he uses more reps than he did with Rose in the second half of last year. I think Rose and Tibbs have made it a focus. And he's been better. I'm not saying he hasn't. But when the margin for error in possessions with the starters is lower, or when you have that Julius safety valve, I, I wonder about that, right? Is he going to get those reps? I feel like quickly is one of the few guys Julius trusts pretty implicitly. Like, I think he like really looks for him and he, he doesn't like, I don't know. I just, it, it feels like when he plays with quickly, uh, I get your concerns and that is a concern. It, it probably, it would be a, an issue. It's not an issue. That's really, I guess, how do I want to phrase this? It is it's something that would need to be worked out. There would definitely be hiccups and you know all that kind of shit. But like I think that I think with enough reps, there's a world where they play off each other well. And Julius will always be the primary guy, uh, I think, unless quickly makes a big leap, or you know, if he makes a Darius Garland type leap or something like that, which I, to be clear, I'm not saying that's a guarantee or something. I'm just it's more suggesting that because I think if there is a path for him to become a primary, it's that type of primary who isn't, you know, Garland's awesome, but he's not like getting to the rim 10 times a game, right? Like that's not his play style. Um, but like, I think there's a world where, yeah, they, they can marry their skill sets and, and, and open things up for each other and also just the offense in general uh, some of that too is on quickly, like quickly has a tendency at times, not just, not just what you highlighted, which I would say this, I think when he picks up his dribble, that tends to happen when he goes to his left, which feels like a confidence issue. Um, it feels like he doesn't trust his handle, uh, going left once he gets into the paint and picks it up instinctively. So 
that's something where I'm not sure if that's about needing more reps or if that's a skill issue, but I I would just need to see more of it, which we don't get a ton of. Um, that's definitely one. And I get I think to your point also about like, yeah, he definitely bogs down possessions at times, you know, kind of taking too long to figure out what the fuck he wants to do. Um, but like that that that's something for me where like is part of experience, right? Like he just needs more experience to make quicker decisions because without those experience, like without that experience, it's hard to do that. Like we see Burks who hasn't been a point guard in his career, but has been thrust into a point guard position. And despite being a, well, however many year vet he's been in the league, like nine, 10 years, you still see exactly why th- that there's a lack of experience for him as a point guard and how possessions can devolve into the sum total of nothing i would say that quickly has shown uh you know again like not that burke should be some high standard but like i think he's shown much better feel as a point guard when called upon than burks has um and i think he's made developments since coming into the league uh in terms of being a playmaker for others sometimes to a fault i almost think he's like so aware of his reputation as like not a point guard that at times he passes up shots in the paint um to like swing it to somebody on the perimeter he had one earlier in the year where he was like literally right at the rim and then he threw it to obi in the corner uh which made zero sense so like i I don't know i guess for me the quickly thing is more of a why the fuck not like what do we have to lose here because that position's been kind of a disaster for us not a disaster but the starting position has been you can't you can't start burks at point guard right um i think the argument is do you go back to kemba do you start uh, Rose is the best point guard can, on the can team? You, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that when guys get back, Kemba's back in the rotation? I don't think he should be. That's I mean, I I'm not benching him for Deuce McBride right now. That's that's just a fact. I mean, is he a better shooter than Deuce McBride? Yeah, like let's be real. Like McBride has a great well shooting ability, but he's a rookie. He's um, had a smooth release. I'm actually like very is it I, I'm asking you because I, I don't have a really good feel for this. Um, but like, doesn't do his handle and his shot mechanics look better than they were in summer league? They do to me. They look better in summer league. Um, I, so that transition has always been something he's been elite at. It's part of the reason he goes to the pull up so often. Um, and he just he has a great release. I mean, that's one advantage he has over quickly. We've been complaining for a while about quickly, um, you know, taking mid range pull ups. And McBride is very comfortable with that because he has um, he just has a much higher release. Um, that could be a strength thing. You've seen quickly go to that shot more often, but he's not a natural, you know, that that Larry Bird or whatever release from over his head. That's not quickly's more. He, he likes a lower release and he likes those three point shots. McBride gives you that, um, but that I think that his handle overall, like in attacking, uh, has been better. Um, but that transition from handle to pull up has been uh, has always been pretty great for him um just real quick uh 274 minutes this year quickly he's been on the floor with julius he has uh he's only on 20 usage 52.6 true shooting 47.6 efg but but uh he is shooting 29.6 percent on threes in those minutes on 71 three-point attempts i am just guessing that's something that would improve uh they played more yeah it's a, the cynical view of that would be is he's taking a lot more pull-ups next to julius or a lot more late shot clock stuff because the the which i i mean i'm not saying we should find that data but that would be the the less optimistic and and uh, for what it's worth uh in those minutes 
Julius's usage is 27.1, which is slightly below his average usage, which is 27.5 this season. Um, he's also, again, for what it's worth, Julius is at 56 true shooting in those lineups um, with quickly. So, you know, I'm not sure what to make of all that. Um, you know, well, we saw that last year too, right? Quick, like Julius's game definitely improves when he plays next to quickly compared to, well, certainly compared to Alfred Payton. Um, but, um, but, but getting back to what we were talking about. So I, I think that there's, I mean, and McBride, what he gives you at the point of attack and defense, and this is kind of a tangent, but I think this year you're starting to see a resurgence in like before this year, you know, people were like, you know, team defense matters more than on ball, uh, rim protection matters more. You're seeing this year, I think it's not just someone like Deuce, but guys like Gary Payton, the second, um, you know, where terrific on-ball defenders are being deployed in such a way at the point of attack where they can really disrupt an offense. That's what McBride gives you in terms of event generation even more than quickly um, because he's just a more imposing presence. Um, but if you like, if you think he's going back to the... Like, yeah, if McBride's not getting minutes, then Kemba shouldn't be. That's the fact. And McBride wasn't getting minutes, you know, even with Kemba on the bench. Um I think it also grimes as part of this because even though he's not a point guard and he's not in direct competition with Kemba, um, part of the way you get Kemba minutes to play quickly off ball. So that means that impacts grimes, right? Um, so I just, I don't, I don't see how there's really, there's 11 guys I would put who should, who need to get minutes. Uh, the only question is if you just hate Alec Burks, if you hate Alec Burks or Evan Fournier. So if you're, if you're state NYK pod, shout out state, shout out state. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think, and I think Burks before he was put on on ball looked a lot better. Like he's like I, he's also being extended, right? His minutes are way above what you would ideally want him playing. His role is extended. What you're asking of him, like it's just all compact. Like I, I have, I have very little criticism of Alec Burks. My and my entire suggestion of trading him has more to do with he'll get you more. Yeah, and also just opening up minutes for younger guys in the team, opportunities, whatever. It has very little to do. I have zero issue with Alec Burks. I think he's been a really good player for the Knicks. Uh, I think, and he's he's basically giving you what Kemba gives you uh, at six six, right? Um, because right. Kemba isn't doing a whole lot of on ball. If it was a story where Kemba's running a ton of pick and roll, if he was something like Derrick Rose but with a jumper, then we're not having this conversation. But we are because he's not doing that. Uh, so no, I don't think Kemba's in the rotation. Uh, I think Fournier's in danger if he doesn't keep playing like this of losing minutes to Grimes. Um, but um, but I think there's eleven guys I would give who are worthy of rotation minutes right now. And that's why you end up, you probably look for a trade. Um, I think Miles Turner would be the ideal target, particularly if they can make it happen with like Burks, Knox, a pick, and Mitch or something. Um, but, um, or, or Noel or whatever, whatever they want. But they're probably going to want young players if they do go that way, or they're happy to, you know, keep it, uh, keep the status quo. So, yeah. Um, yeah, one thing I. I know you've actually talked about this. I think you talked about this more last year. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe you've talked about it this year, too. I don't really remember. But I remember last year, one of your, not issue, I guess, yeah, I could say an issue, but like early in the season, you were like frustrated because you thought the Knicks had the makings of a team that could play more quote unquote modern lineups uh, and they weren't leaning into it enough. But then I think, you know, over the course of the year, they kind of did. I think one of the frustrations I have, if I'm just trying to broadly, kind of state why i think the young guys need to play more um it isn't just about the season is lost and it's time to find out what we have with them um 
I just think we play we there's with those guys we play a more modern flowing style of basketball um whereas with the vets it feels a lot more slow and bogged down and hard everything feels very difficult and i think with the young guys you feel like the offense at times it, it just generates more easy looks and more togetherness and i don't know like i don't know how to explain all that but that's I don't know. Do you agree with that? Like, cause that's part of my thinking with guys like Grimes and Deuce um, is like, you know, you like, yes, Grimes, Deuce quickly. If you play those two together, you're giving up some size, but like they're probably as good as like, if you're going to play small, you could do a lot worse defensively than playing those three together. Because I think they can switch pretty easily. Yeah, Grimes um, is smaller than Fournier, but he plays a lot bigger. So that's not an issue to me. Right. So like I guess like like that's what I think when I when I'm talking about playing those guys it has a lot more to do with like the way they play and how I think we need to be playing as a team versus just like well we're 13 and 17 and the season's a disappointment and you know let's just blow it up as much as we can and recoup assets and tank and try and get it but like it's not about that to me. I mean that that could that might be well be a consequence of the of a decision but I just think like there's more uh, upside with the with leaning into those guys from than a stylistic with, standpoint. Yeah, stylistically, and you know, look the the metrics in a lot of ways can can would suggest that even from the standpoint of purely trying to win games, even uh, playing these guys, and even Obi, like Obi is proven, I think, to be pretty versatile. Um, not like not that he's a lockdown defender, but like I don't feel mortified when he gets switched onto a guard on the perimeter you know i actually think he struggles more with bigs than he does with perimeter guys so like i, I just think like these guys you know the, the like the four guys we've drafted uh and, and sims is also a draft pick but we haven't really had a chance to i, I don't I think well, that a, would well trading no would possibly open up some more minutes for yeah. him too i mean i would like to see more sims too just because like, like the, the one game he played was atlanta i think i thought he looked yeah. really good there well and also like what one of the biggest issues I've had with our centers this year is just the lack of like force they're playing with offensively, how they're rolling to the rim, their aggressiveness doing he's, it. He's probably speed. the best screen setter on the team. He's Maybe the best athlete. On, he's the best athlete on the team. Yeah, especially right now, with too. Mitch. Yeah, but like, but Todd sets good screens. Mitch obviously doesn't. Uh, Noel, uh, you, you couldn't tell because he's about three feet. Not three feet across. He's very skinny. That's what. Um, Sims like his screen gravity like changes the offense. Um, I I think I hear you on you know the 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 way the bench plays together. Again, I don't know if you can separate that from Julius Randle because the offense and this does include like if you look at Burks when he plays with the bench, he's a vet, but he also plays with more of a togetherness. He made an effort I think to get quickly more involved. He does still do a lot of the ISO stuff, but I think that when guys play with the bench, I think it's been true of Fournier as well. Um, I don't know that, like, it's tough to separate that tendency from who's playing with Julius and who's not, and also who's playing against bench players, but yeah. Well, I, I guess the the reason I would push back on this is that I think when Randall has played with Obi, and this is, this is another reason, like, I think when Randall's played with Obi, he's, I think they play really well together offensively. Anyway, the defensively, uh, I, I would say some of that is on Tibbs because he still has them playing like fucking deep draw, like they play drop coverage with Julius at the five, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, but like, 
either way, my point is, I think that when he plays with those guys, he plays differently too. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it's just exclusive to those guys play different because Randall's not on the floor. I think it's like a, a whole thing where the team tends to take on the personality of, yes, Julius to some degree, but also like of the guards, of the guys that are initiating the offense. And there's like an actual verve to their play when those younger dudes are playing because they, they, you know, they're, they're too young to know any better almost in a way. Right. Like, uh, and, and, and I will say this also like Grimes had a great game against Milwaukee and that was one of Randall's worst games ever, uh, in New York and probably in his career, if you really think about it. Um, but like he was hunting Grimes. He was trying to find Grimes. He was trying to set him up. So like, I actually think like one of I think what Julius's main issue is is he gets really focused on doing one thing and loses sight of like what the collective idea of what they need to be doing is, and I do think playing with those bench guys helps him a bit, and I think it would help. I think it would help RBJ a ton too because we just play faster, um, and I'm not, not even in terms of like we're some awesome transition team, but the ball gets up the floor faster with quickly on the floor and with Grimes and you know. McBride, like these guys are just young, so they're naturally going to like push the ball up the floor a little bit faster. I think it would benefit RJ. I think it would benefit Randall a lot. Like, I would like to see him more. I I, I think your skepticism is warranted, um, but I have been encouraged at least anecdotally. Not I. I would need to really go back and like watch the film and look at the numbers and all this kind of stuff. But I've been encouraged about how he's played when he has had the opportunity to play with more of those bench heavy units. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but what do you think Burks, something like Burks and Noel fetches you in a trade? And you know, getting back to the earlier point, does that compromise some of the work they've done to try to put themselves in position to trade for a star? Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, like I, I don't, this is the, it's a big bet because some, some of the reason why they did what they did in the off season, right. is like, they want to, um, you want to like show the, whoever these stars who eventually might want out would be. And there are some on the table, but, um, you know, I don't think those are necessarily guys people want, but yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. Like I think that the thought was if you're competitive, you stay in like, their kind of view and you'll be more attractive to them. And so therefore, if we punt on this season and just lean into playing young guys and stuff, like we'll become less attractive. I don't really think that's true. And I think the reason it's not true is because I mean, what is playing the vets a lot gotten us exactly like what 13 and 17, the defense sucks. Um, the offense hasn't improved to the level that you would have hoped it would have improved. So I, like, I don't, fundamentally think it changes anything i think it would like if they're if if these guys are looking at new york right now and they find it attractive they're going to find it attractive if you trade alec burks and Nerlens noel for whatever you well, get for them. but it's more than that so i am not um i'm probably of everyone on the strickland one of the worst with the cap if not the worst uh so i know you and, and jeremy obviously know a lot more and like one thing that was emphasized is the types of deals that noel and um Noel, sorry, shout out Larry Israel. But the types of deals that Noel and Burks were signed to were very trade friendly, right? And you know, if you trade Burks and Noel, Noel 
in some one-off for I don't know Larry Nance is the name that keeps popping to mind. They wouldn't trade for him, but it would be someone like that. I would imagine. Does that like how much value do you lose in the fact that you were able to sign those guys to those friendly deals that you could use to get you know a, a Donovan Mitchell or something? That you know, is it hard to replace that? Is you know I, I just don't know. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be personally. Um, I think you can target like. You know, what is Burks and Noel together? That's about 18 million, I think, 19 million, something like that. Like, you can. With team probably, options and all of that, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you can probably find a similar level of contract at that price to what they are structurally. So, like, I, I wouldn't really worry about that. That doesn't really worry me that much. Um, I just think, like, the other thing, too, with, with, and, like, here's the other thing is, like, if you trade, like, let's say you traded Burks and Noel for. I'm just gonna throw out a name. I don't. I'm, this is not who I would trade for. I'm just throwing out a name. But like, let's say you just trade them, trade them for uh, Buddy Heald. Okay, I think Buddy Heald has a year left on his contract, maybe two. But like, I don't think he's any different, really, in an eventual star trade than those guys would be collectively. You know, like I think they would be viewed the same. But what would be different potentially is getting more draft capital if you do trade them, and what that draft capital would allow you to do is. Obviously, then to sweeten the pot for trades, be it for a star or be it for a more marginal upgrade. Like, like I, I've tossed this around, but you know, I think it's safe to say that as much as the Knicks have struggled, uh, the Mavericks' depth is also uninspiring. So, like, what what if you traded Burks for Bullock? No, no. If you did <laughs> Burks, yeah, that, that'd be funny. Uh, but if you did Burks for like you know, Maxi Kleber, who I don't think has been very good for them. Um, just throwing out a name, but like, you know, they, they have not had good wing play uh, this year. And Burks would obviously help them. He's also a guy that can do something with the ball. They don't have a lot of guys that are very good at shot creation, so that, that would help. Um, like, would you do Burks for Kleber and them lifting the protection on the 2023 pick in a couple of seconds or something? Like if and if you can do that, and then reroute those assets in a deal for like Miles Turner to push that over the top, is that worth it? And like that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. I wouldn't just trade Burks to trade Burks, but I would trade Burks one because I want to open up minutes for Grimes and primary opportunities for IQ and Deuce, and two, uh, maybe just at, at the same level of importance, is if I net, trading Burks can net me assets that can give me an upgrade somewhere else then I'm really on board with it. Like that's, that's kind of my thinking. And that's what I would, I, I, I hope that the Knicks aren't just like star trader bust. Um, I know like Tyrese uh, <laughs> feels so- very strongly about that, but like, I, I don't personally, I think that it's okay to incrementally improve in certain positions. Um, Miles Turner is not a guy. I'm probably, it's funny because I, I actually would like the Knicks to trade for him, but I don't want them to trade for him because I think he's going to be like some fucking, all-star or on be a player i just think he's a good solid starting center he's 25 years old so if you trade for him that's your starting center a good solid starting center for the next four or five years that you can yep that's our guy like mitch and that has i would agree that that has been the biggest um, negative for the knicks that position yeah it's just been it's been fucking awful this year like it's it's crazy too because of how key the centers were last season to how good we were especially defensively um like the drop off has been just substantial uh, it's 
yeah, it's it's it cannot be understated how much of a drop off that's been. Um, and look, I still believe in Mitch to some degree. Like the talent is there. I think we're starting to see he's kind of getting his legs back under him more. But like we're we're at a point where a decision is going to have to be made about him, right? Like moving forward at some point, and we just haven't seen enough to to feel strongly about it. And you know, maybe he gets. I think I still believe he can be a starting center in this league. I still think he can be a really really dynamic defensive player. But like we're getting to a point where. I mean, do you want to bet on that again? Like, do you want to keep betting on that? I don't know. Like, not. And I, I, I the, the other thing is, even if I like Mitch, and I think the funny thing is, he's played so poorly that I think we he'll just end end the season in New York, uh, regardless, because there's not going to be a bunch of people high on trading for him. Um, but like, even if I ultimately believe in Mitch, that will no longer stop me from being more aggressive about trying to find a better five. Um, and so that's my long winded answer of like the Burks Noel question. If those guys can help net me the assets that can acquire a solid starting five, Turner is obviously the the name that's out there. I, but in general, in that position, I, I would be all for it. I'd be very happy to do that. So, speaking of the Mavericks, um, so I think most people would agree that two of our biggest, you know, issues. Um, have been point guard and center. So if we were to trade with the Mavericks, um, you know, I, this is something, one, his contract situation seems weird, but this there is a player on the Mavericks who is who, is, who can score at three levels, who is a very good distributor, solid defender uh, at that position. Just, yeah. Um, I, yeah, so, um, you know, it says he's a unrestricted free agent this year, but, uh, you know, do you think Jalen Brunson is someone they would target and I mean, do you think he's even available from Dallas's perspective? I don't think he's available from Dallas's perspective because I think, I mean, look, if we're going to have this conversation about Julius, uh, which is that, you know, how good is he? Like the, the on-off stuff is bad. Is the team playing better without him? All this kind of shit. We got to be honest and say the same right now applies for Dallas and Luca, and that's not like obviously I still think Luca is a potential generational player. Uh, you know, one of the premier talents in the NBA, no doubt. But there's something there where they don't play, they're not playing their best with him. And Brunson has helped kind of keep them afloat in a way while they're dealing, while they're trying to figure out how to get the best out of Luka and, and blend all this shit together. Brunson's been a rock for them. I have a very hard time seeing how they would trade him unless... It was returning a a high end. Well, so what what is his contract situation? Is he an un, if he's an unrestricted free? He's agent, unrestricted. Yeah. So, a is that someone the Knicks can target during the off season? Would you target him? And B, um, if if he makes it clear that that's what he wants to do, would um, would Dallas perhaps be willing to trade him for, to upgrade the wing? You know? So it's it's kind of tough to know um, because you're enough sauces. Like, yeah. Uh, well, no, it's it's. So he's unrestricted, but because he's played there four years, they have full bird rights, so they can pay him up to a max if they want. You know, they they can do that. The reason they couldn't do that last year is weird stuff, but like basically they were limited in what they could offer him uh, in an extension. I think it was like three, 
50 or 60 million, something like that. I don't know what it was, but it was well below what he's probably going to get this offseason. Um, do I think they would consider trading him if they could upgrade on the wing? Yes. Do I think that Burks is enough of an upgrade for them to feel like that's worth it? No. Uh, is there a way to sweeten the pot enough that all of a sudden they would be willing to trade Brunson to New York? Potentially. I don't know. Uh, I would assume that for them, they value assets less than they do players. So I'm not sure what that deal would look like. Um, and, and, but here's the thing. We also know this in the NBA, right? If Jalen Brunson goes to them next offseason and is like, look, I want to, I'm, I'm an unrestricted free agent. I'm going, I want to go to New York. So you can either help facilitate a trade to get me there or I'll just figure out another way. Like it's going to happen one or the other. So either you can help me or you can fuck yourself. Like, you know, maybe there's a path there. Um, and I do think the Knicks would have interest. Like there, obviously we know connections between Leon Rose and Jalen Brunson run deep. I think he's his God, his godfather. I think so. <laughs> Leon Rose is the godfather. So. I, I, I actually, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll look it up, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Brunson's godfather. But he's also, I mean, we look we, at the very did Jalen Rose. Know, did, sorry, Jalen Rose. Did Jalen Brunson grow up in the New York area? Jalen Brunson? Uh, I actually have no clue. I mean, obviously his dad played here. He's but... from Jersey. He's from Jersey. So, yeah, kind of from so Jersey. So, no. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, he, he is... Uh, no, sorry. He's not. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. But there's connections with him, between Leon Rose and Jalen Brunson. Uh, he was his agent. He was literally his agent. So, okay. Um, yeah, I think the Knicks would have interest. I, I don't know... I'm still like, I think Jalen Brunson's a good player, but I look at him and I'm like, well, how different are you from the players we have? He does get, he is really good at finishing at the rim though, which is, uh, you know, like he's, it's pretty wild. His last two years, he shot 79.9% at the rim last year. He's shooting 80.4% at the rim this year. And he's 6'2", um, right? And he gets yeah. there. I mean, this isn't like some... He gets there about twenty percent of the time, so that's like yeah. twice what quickly does. Like that's yeah. not insignificant. Um, and but he has a good, you know, he can he's good pull up mid range game. He's a little down from three this year, but we know he can shoot. Um, and he probably would walk in as the best passer on the team too. Um, so you know, yeah, I don't know. Uh, just in terms of that, not and I, I I don't watch the Mavs strong closely enough to to know for sure but i've seen like mavs fans and i know when we had uh when we had lauren on before when we had kirk on before that um neither has been particularly enamored with his passing so i don't know if that's like a but i, I mean he's a better passer probably than deuce quick and rose right none of those guys probably i just i don't i don't from just talking to them it feels like maybe we're overrating that element of his game but either way like you know his overall profile is pretty solid as a primary bet, right? Like, this is a guy, he's 25, so he'll be 26 next year. It's a guy you could definitely see, like, oh, wow, he's finally now having a chance to run a team, and holy shit, like, he actually can scale up all of his... his kind of what, like what happened with Brogdon and Indy, right? So Yeah, or Van Vliet, even, right? Yeah. Um, so, like... For whatever it's worth, his numbers per 36 have been pretty steady the last three years. 
Um, but you know, since he's been in the league for four years, his average per 36, 17 points, five points, five and a half assists, four and a half rebounds. Doesn't uh, turn the ball over nearly a three to one assist to turnover ratio. Um, you know, last yeah, which years. like, Hey, if you're not the best passer in the world, if you're also not turning it over, that's kind of okay. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's definitely a player I would have interest in if that's the, uh, that's the question. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the question would be, would he want to leave, right? Because if he doesn't want to, then... Well, he's he doesn't have any chance to really up his role um, in Dallas, right? Isn't that fair to say? Like, he's never going to be a starter there. Um, who's he behind right now? Sorry, it's a little early on. I mean, set. they start Luka. Yeah, so, I mean, but Luka can play on the wing, right? That would be the, the pitch I mean, they would make. I think, ideally, we have thought Luka can play on the wing, but he hasn't shown much... Uh, desire to play off ball, and I wonder how much of that is an issue. Um, if I'm Brunson, look, he's in his fourth yeah, but year, I mean, it, it's, it's, he's 25 years old. He started, you can play them together, is the point, right? You can, but they've never done it. Like, they've they've every time when Luca's healthy, they basically don't start Brunson. He started since Luca's gone, been there. Um, Brunson has played, hold on, let's see, since Luca was drafted, Brunson has played 152 games, he's only started 37. And I would imagine most of those 37 are starts when Luca's out or they're super shorthanded. So if you're him, and th- they have a new coach now too. So this is not like, well, maybe if they change the coach, he'll pl- he'll use Brunson differently. It's like the second coach now. And if you're him, you're probably like, am I, I mean, is there ever going to be a moment here for me to, to really get a chance to start? And even if I start, am I ever going to have the chance to really be the the guy, the facilitator on the team? I don't know. I mean, pro- definitely not the primary, right? As long as Luca's there, and is he ever going to start? I don't know. The evidence suggests no, but well, I mean, who the fuck knows? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I-, I think he might have a desire to leave. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess it is worth noting that um, the Knicks play game on Christmas. Um, Trey Young is apparently out with COVID now, so. He's entered protocol, so that game's going to be great. It's going to be fucking real barn burner. Um, the entire Christmas slate, really, I think is going to be awesome. Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's a shitty situation right now, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know how the league's going to handle it. Uh, I will say this. I've seen a lot of people are like, just pause the season, postpone the season. And, like, I get that, and I think in an ideal world, that's what would happen. But, like, and yes, obviously money is a factor. But like, I don't think it's e- it's not easy to just like pause a season or postpone it. Like, oh, we'll suspend play for two weeks, then everybody will come back. Like, rescheduling all these games and all like it's a very big pain in the ass. It is like, and and yes, is it right for that to take priority over people's health and safety? No, but like, this is just a real world thing. I think it's it's a tough situation for the league. Um, I will say I don't think they've handled it anywhere close to the best they could. Uh, Joel Embiid mentioned a few days ago, he was just saying like, you know, last year the protocols in place were really good and strict and everything felt organized. And this year it's just been a fucking mess. So, you know, the league has to take the L on that one. But I, I do have some sympathy for like, I don't think it's easy to just be like, oh, let's just suspend play and come back in three weeks or a month or something. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, so I mean, they should win the Atlanta game, you would think, right? You never know. Uh, who knows? By that point, fucking 
are all the like all the young guys will come back and then all the vets will start getting COVID or have to enter the protocol. So who knows? Um I guess uh before we wrap up, this is like one of our shortest pods ever. Uh but before we wrap up, I, I guess what I would ask uh what I would curious to get your thoughts on this um is you know looking at Mitch um where where are you at with him? Because to me, the physical stuff that he's struggling with, it's annoying, and I think it is shitty that he didn't report to camp in better condition. Um, but like, it's a it's it's a little bit understandable for me. But to me, what has been really disappointing, way more disappointing than that, is I just feel like his mental understanding and progression like i thought last year he did a really he had made progress in terms of reading the game on both ends of the floor and this year it just feels like it's fallen off a cliff and i know he yesterday he had some good moments on defense like intercepting passes and stuff but it still feels like he's just he's reacting and he's not being a proactive defender and then offensively like I don't even know what to say. I, I, I don't know if I could be more disappointed in in how he's played. Uh, and that goes beyond, again, his physical abilities, but also just like understanding when to screen, where to screen. His his screening angles consistently to me are just like awful. And then he slips them on top of it, which makes it basically worthless to, to even bother setting the screen. So I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of asking you what your thoughts are on Mitch at this point. Yeah, I mean, um, so the the rim protection actually is still good when he actually. I think someone had a tweet where it's like Mitch in the same Mitch standing in the same place, Hall of Fame, right? Mitch having to move, um, you know, not <laughs> right or G League, whatever. Um, so on the one hand, like, but if that that changes, like, so for me, the defense will always be the. You would like him to be better at setting screens, but just because of his vertical gravity, like when they played again, when they played through the guards more, um, we saw that game where he was just the, when he played with Mitch and quickly, they were both throwing him a ton of lobs. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. He's still good at, at that, um, you know, even with poor screen setting. So I'm less worried about the offense. It would be nice if he had improved his free throw shooting to like 70% by now. Um, I do think his free throw shooting, he started off really badly, but he's been better over the course of the season. But yes, I agree. Yeah, like it, it's four years now and, and it hasn't improved nearly where when he was taking threes on Instagram, you know, we thought it'd be at least a good free throw shooter. Um, the bigger issue is on defense and like if that mobility is just gone, right? Or if it's that changes my perception. Like to me, what had always been the value case for Mitch, where I would have paid him $60 million for four years. Um, was this is a guy who plays with a high motor on defense. Um, and last year, it seemed like he put it together. Like, he combines that energy with better ideas of when he can play physical and how to avoid fouls. Um, he can contest all over the floor. He can contest on the perimeter. He's the best option they had in pick and roll. Um, you know, you, you can definitely hedge him more than they were last year, but he's also just quick enough to play drop and contest everything. If that's gone and if he's really, like, poor man's Clint Capella on defense, um, which, let's be real, that's what he's been. He's been Clint Capella's rim protection with worse pick-and-roll defense, with worse mobility. Um, if that's all he is, 
that's just not as interesting a player. That is, I wouldn't go so far as to say easily replaceable, but it's just, it's, I, that's not, I mean, we were arguing about whether he's better than Robert Williams. He was last year. Now, I mean, it, the question is more, is Yesterday he better I was than like, like Daniel for Robert Williams. What? Yesterday I was like pining for Robert Williams. Yeah, and, I mean, and there's a lot of bigs who have improved. <laughs> uh, Daniel Gafford. Jared Allen. Jared we, Allen. We used to laugh at that comparison. Now look at it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I ever laughed. I think I was always in the boat where Jared Allen was a little bit more polished offensively. Uh, but I thought on defense it wasn't even close. Uh, and I, I have Nets fit. So one thing to remember, just a side note, is the people you meet in real life and who you associate with that are fans of other teams tend to be a lot nicer, a lot easier to talk to than a lot of people on Twitter. But a lot of my friends in real life are Nets fans, and a lot of them would admit that that Mitch was a much better perimeter defender than Allen, and that's to me what made him special. And if that's gone, uh, then then like then the fact that oh yeah, Jared Allen may not be able to lie, get up off the floor and block a shot on the, the uh, on the perimeter, but he he's agile and he can make plays. Um, he's he blocks a lot of shots at the rim, and he gives you so much more on offense, right? He can put the ball on the floor, he can pass. That's where those other things start to pop because the the thing that made Mitch special is gone. Can we can he get it back? Is it a question of conditioning? I think the games where he's played like 20, 22 minutes and he gets to play more with the bench, he's looked a lot better. But if you know, so we'll see. I think that's what I would try to do is get him those 20 minute stints. Try not to like as soon as he gets gassed, pull him. Um, but say that you have to play balls to the wall. We're not gonna have the low effort plays. Um and we're gonna expect you to, to switch and hedge and to do complex things on defense. And we want to see what we saw last year. Um, and if it can only be 15, 20 minutes a game, then so be it. We have, um, we have another backup big who has shown himself to be capable. Uh, we have Todd Gibson, who adds another element on offense, even if he can't play extended minutes. And we have a rookie who's shown plenty of potential, too. We don't need to force Mitch to play that many minutes, but that's what I want to see. And ultimately, that's like more than the offense, which I will agree with you is not where, where you'd like it to be. Uh, we need that perimeter mobility and that ability to swallow up drives. Uh, as opposed to just when they go right at you at the rim, finish them. And he's shown flashes of it, but it's all about the defense to me, and it's all about the defensive versatility. That, to me, determines whether this is a guy you want to give that Robert Williams contract to, or you'd say, you know, uh, better luck elsewhere. Yeah, I um, I got to say, like, I don't know. I was really disappointed in him yesterday because you're shorthanded you know, literally, you, you got what, like eight guys that suited up, one of them being Wayne Selden, who is not an NBA player, really. Selden seen, uh, Selden heard. <laughs> yes. Uh, and all you can give the team is 22 minutes. Like, he was gassed by the end of that. All you got is 22 minutes. Like, I, I don't know, man. That that that's well, very that hard. just is what it is. I would rather have 22 minutes of him playing with energy, not giving up easy drives, um, you know, crashing the glass. Um, then 30 minutes where he's just dogging multiple possessions. A, and the biggest part of that is it brings the whole team's energy down, right? So, yeah, no, I, I look, I 100% agree with that. I'm just saying, like, you know, if that's what he is, then I don't know. I, I just, I guess I don't know. Does he stay in New York? Because at that point, you're not going to, you're, you're going to go out and find a, a starting center, right? Like, you're going to, you're going to figure that out. And, and I guess, like, it's hard to divorce the disappointment of like how he's developed this year with, well, what can he still be and what can we still count on him to do? 
because yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, since he's gone to the bench, I think we've seen closer and more frequent glimpses and stretches of like being the guy that we have seen him be at times in his career. But it's very disappointing that that's what it is right now. It's just these flashes and stretches, and it's not a guy who has developed into a dependable 30 minutes a game starter, which it looked like he was on track to do last year. And I think that's that's what adds to the disappointment. Because last year I was like, you know, it sucked that he got hurt, but I was like, okay, he got hurt, that sucks, but like he's on track and he's looking like, you know, he might make the leap. And not not like not that he's going to become an all-star or something, but um, you know, the most optimistic people would say that he had the uh, potential to be a defensive player of the year type of player. Uh, I would say that I definitely thought that was a possibility. I don't know if I really believed in he will be better than Rudy Gobert or something, but I, I don't know. But Either I, way, I thought matter. he could be more versatile, right? Yes. Uh, I thought he could be something like Bam, but taller and, a, and an even better shot blocker, right? So, on defense, right. sorry. I don't think he will ever be that kind of player on offense, but... You don't uh, see the playmaking feel? <laughs> not off of... In, <laughs> not a, besides Instagram, no. Um, so, but it, it hasn't happened. And you're 100% right. If this is who he is, that's not a starting center. Um, that is a... That's the kind of guy who goes... That's Daniel Gafford. I was going to say that's Javiel McGee, actually. Yeah, that too. Yeah, sure. That's that JaVale McGee. And and I, I would even say uh, with JaVale McGee, conditioning was also like, if you look at JaVale McGee's 36 numbers, they've been like pretty bonkers for his whole career. And he does have the mobility. The problem, he has asthma. So. And he's actually like, I know he, he's, he was a, he's been a meme for a long time, but offensively, he's actually like developed pretty nicely in terms of his, yeah, like what he can do with the ball. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, he's like, but again, he doesn't give you more than 20 minutes a game. Uh, and part of that is his asthma, and I'm not holding that against him. What I'm saying is that that's just the guy who has never gotten paid with. And when he was a young player on the Wizards, and and, and that probably hurt him too. This, this is a tangent, but those Wizards teams early in his career with Andre Blotch, him, I think Gilbert was still on that team. Yeah, he was. Uh, that was just a mess. It was not a good developmental environment. So I think JaVale McGee, all things considered, his career has turned out well. And that could be what Mitch ends up being. That's just not a player you pay double-digit million dollars to. And it's not a player that sticks in one place for yeah it's a journeyman Um, and and usually someone when they do play they end up on contenders right um that's probably he's completely different type of player but that's probably the role that bobby portis will fill for most of the rest of his career right uh a good bench big who has a unique skill set um that you play in spurts and although i will say bobby portis has improved his defense a lot but that that is that is what you're looking at with mitch if this is the reality going forward so yeah, uh, it's going to suck when Mitch signs for a minimum in Golden State next year. Uh, but, but, but but I will say, like just like Javiel McGee, he has shown those flashes. So if he gets his weight down, if something like that happens over the course of the season, um, I will be back where I was last year, which is I think this is a guy who I would pay $60 million for four years. Really, the health was the only issue. Uh, I probably would have gone even higher last year when he was really peaking. Um and so that's probably still something he can earn, but uh, it's the like the weight gain. It's the it's taken on the conditioning, and you know it's it, like the explosiveness is like three to four percent lower. But that is a big difference when he hasn't necessarily had the best technique. Um, so you know we've we've gotten a little bit of people you know said that you know you're hating on Mitch too much. I will recognize that he's had a couple of really good games of late. Um, but if he is best in just twenty twenty two minutes a game. 
um, and playing as bench players, then it's just, you're talking about a completely different type of ceiling. That's where I think a lot more of the disappointment is coming from than saying he's a straight-up bad player. I don't think even now that's the case. Um, he's just not um, not what we expected. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, Mitch is... I would love for him to turn around and, you know, make me... Remember in The Sopranos when uh, when uh, uh, Pussy's talking to the FBI guy and he's like, you know, he's talking about how Tony doesn't like him. He's like, make him love you. Like, that's what like, I'm like, Mitch, fucking make me love you again, dude, because I would love to. It would be great. Uh, God knows for the first three years that you were in the fucking league, I was like definitely 100 percent your corner. But yeah, I mean, this year has not been great for him. Um, and look, he's so you're going to take the... Mitch out on the boat, give him tequila, and then <laughs> can I sit? Is that okay? Tony? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, if yeah, like I like again, the flashes are coming. They, they they're they're there, but you've got to see it. I, and again, like I actually think this is the case. He has no value right now in trade. Probably, what, what are you going to get for him? Like a second round pick, maybe. Oh, a part right. of that is not necessarily him as a player, but the fact that you could just sign the contract. Him. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of things. But like, I, it's it's just like because of that, I actually think he's going to end up finishing the year in New York. So he's got the full eighty two is how I look at it. And you know, the first whatever fucking thirty haven't been great, but he still has fifty two more. Uh, and we've seen glimpses lately that maybe maybe it's coming back the, the the athleticism the ability um one thing i will say defensively and i think this is his biggest issue right now i don't even know if it's necessarily about the mobility his feet he doesn't like you know like uh you know you got to keep your feet moving right in space you have to like you can't you can't be flat-footed he's flat-footed so often on defense especially in pick and rolls you just watch him, and he's just like. But he's always been that way. He just used to be able to get away with it. That's the thing. So, like, I don't. I don't think. I actually think he was more. He's been more alert. Like, this is not like. It's not just about. Oh, like he's. He understands his athleticism, and therefore he can get away. Like I watch him, and I'm just like, you're. You're just like your focus isn't there. It's not like a an athleticism thing. Even sometimes, I'm just like your focus isn't there because you're just like not. You don't. You didn't even react. And like, physical and mental fatigue do go hand in hand, um, yeah. so that could be a driver as well. But yeah, like I, I, there was a play against the Rockets in the first quarter where like he was in, he got put in a pick and roll, and Gordon drove, and like, I mean, he, he, Gordon didn't even do anything wild. He literally just did like a crossover, and Mitch just stood there and like watched it. And I'm like, like, dude, how, how how is that the the reaction there? I don't know. Anyway, I don't I don't want to fuck this. Whatever, Mitch is. Hopefully he turns it around, and we'll all we'll sign a contract in the Knicks, and he'll be our center. Patrick Ewing. Championship. Yeah, he'll be better than Patrick Ewing, hopefully. Uh, all right, that is our pod for today. Uh, Stacy, is there anything that you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just uh, believe Knicks. Me and uh, Matt Miranda released another episode um, before the Celtics game, um, after the Bulls game, so we got into Deuce McBride, uh, a couple of young players, Um so uh, it was a fun, fun talk. Um, and other than that, um, don't really have a piece coming out right now, but I may try to put something out in the next week or two. Um, thinking about, I probably would focus on the young guys and how they've looked. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's all I got. 
awesome. Looking forward to it. Uh, I have nothing to plug myself, but uh, I'm going to plug that Mac Jones fucking sucks ass. And I always knew he was a fraud. And I can't wait to watch him when he doesn't have one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL uh, to babysit him the entire game. Uh, so that's what I'm going to plug. And the Patriots can go fuck themselves, as can the entire city of Boston. You should, you should go to. You didn't go to the Giants game today. You know, you get a, you get a free soda. Yeah, a free uh, medium uh, soda, but that's only if you're a season ticket holder. And it's yeah, and it's not every. It's not one per ticket. It is only for the person on the account. So, that that's a real. <laughs> it's an amazing organization. Giants fans, I got nothing for respect. Nothing but respect for you. Uh, and uh, yeah. Oh, All right. Well, that is our show for today. I will see everybody on Friday. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.